Welcome to episode 20 of the Owl and Badger podcast. My name is Tim and I'm joined by my very good friend Helen and we are two Christians who are seeking to understand the world around us through a biblical worldview. We want to encourage our listeners to apply critical thinking to news and current events as we seek to live for Christ. We made it to episode 20. Helen, um, how does that make you feel? Yeah, great. Great. It's a beautiful morning, so I'm very happy. Oh, it's a beautiful morning where you are. It's nice not to have the um, nice not to have so much rain, isn't it? Because yeah, um, nice to have it a bit colder rather than than wet. Um, we know it's been a bit of a gap between this podcast and a previous one. Um, sorry about that. We are working hard at trying to get some semblance of uh, regularity about what we're doing, but um, I think we have we have had. Have we had half term in between the two? We have, haven't we? Yes, it's been we that have. long. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've we've been out and about and all sorts of other things. Anyway, we wanted to touch on something which uh, came up um, a, a week or so ago, and we think it's worth talking about and uh, drawing your attention to. And of course, you may have already come across this yourself. So hopefully, this will add um, a little bit of extra um thoughts to your own on this subject and it's this idea of um a covid amnesty and this came about in an article in the atlantic magazine called let's declare a pandemic amnesty um how did where did you first come across this helen oh that's a good question um i'm not sure i think i i heard someone talking about it and then I thought, oh, I ought to read the article, so I went and found it. Oh, okay, yeah, it's it, it's it's certainly garnered a lot of attention, hasn't it? Um, over yeah. over the the last uh, couple of weeks or so, and um, just just to kind of set everything out, kind of reasonably clearly, an amnesty definition basically means it's it, an amnesty is a fixed period of time during which people are not punished for committing a particular crime. Now. As I mentioned in the introduction, and, and those of you who have listened to our podcast before will be well aware of this, but Helen and I are Christians, and we are coming at this from a, uh, a Christian biblical worldview. And just to point out right from the start, um, and this will be probably obvious to a lot of people, but from a Christian perspective, forgiveness is important. It's, it's, it's critical, actually. Um, but so are subjects such as justice, righteousness, truth, and wisdom it's not a case of just picking one it's a case of taking the whole and as christians we believe that this is really really important when we are looking at the issues that we face in the world um but shall we just start a little bit about looking at this article in the atlantic helen by somebody called emily oster who's an economist at brown university and um, in case you've not come across the atlantic it's been around for a long time it sounds like one of those kind of new media type publications but actually it's it's an american magazine and it's been been around since 1857 and it sees itself as very much um a principled publication and they say themselves that reason should always guide opinion ideas have consequences sometimes world historical consequences the knowledge we have about the world is partial and provisional and subject to analysis scrutiny and revision um, to put that in uh, simpler terms, in other words, it's a left-leaning magazine that is nicely designed. So there we there we have it. Do you, yeah, do you want to talk a bit about her opening statement in her in her article, Helen? Because it's, it's it's quite something I thought when I read it. Yeah, yeah, it is, and um, did make me cringe rather. Um, so she 
she opens the article by talking about back in the beginning of of uh, COVID times that um, she made cloth masks for all her family so that they could go out on hiking trips. And um, she talks about her child who would be at the front. I think she said it was her child was four. That's right, and, yeah. And would shout when anyone was coming so that they could all presumably jump into the hedge or whatever. And... Um, and it was almost as if she was proud of, at one point, her four-year-old shouted to someone who wasn't far enough, keeping far enough away, social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I remember that. I, I remember those those days. It seems like a long time ago now. In fact, it's coming off for three years ago now, actually, isn't it? Yeah, it and is. um, I, I do I do remember being at um, a, a well-known bridge where, near where we live, and somebody did exactly that. They were on the bridge, and it was one of these bridges where you can you can walk past somebody, but you're not like six feet away from them when you do so. And, and they kind of shouted out, "I think social distancing." <laughs> and we look back now and laugh, and because it's just bonkers. But but at the time, you're thinking, "What has happened to people?" You yeah. know. And um, but then equally, I, I've looked at some of the completely daft things I did. You know, like saying right back in March, like saying to my boys when we were going on a walk, "Oh, you know, don't touch the." Um, don't touch the gate when we open it. And like, I'm thinking, Tim, <laughs> what are you doing? You nut job. Anyway, um, but yeah, yeah, sorry. That was it, it is it is relatable, isn't it? In a kind of a uh, shameful way. But anyway, carry on, Helen. Okay, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I think it was just interesting that she opened it with that. So it basically shows that she was one of the ones who took it to the extreme, really, from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and and one of her one of her big things is is saying we didn't know. Yes. So you know yeah. all of this behaviour, all of the things are completely justified because we just didn't we just didn't know. Um, and throughout the article, that's that seems to be her her excuse really. Well, we didn't know. We we didn't we uh, we didn't know if if she had said we didn't think, I think we could many of us could be much more generous. Because that's actually being honest and and admitting the mistake, which is we didn't think for ourselves, and that mm. is our duty to to take whatever is put our way and to consider it um, for ourselves. And of course, as Christians, we we do that through through how the Bible tells us to live as God's word. Um, but if we admitted that we didn't think for ourselves, then at least that's being honest because that that's the reality we didn't know mm. is 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 nonsense that's that's yeah. that's that's a that's a a lie wrapped up in an excuse yeah it is and and you can go in at this at many levels if you i mean if you take the the seemingly trivial things i mean things like um masks if you say we didn't know well we did know right from the beginning and actually we're told from the beginning yes. that all the research showed that they would not be helpful it was not in fact they might even even be unhelpful and you know can be very unhygienic could help to spread germs um so we did know about that things like the hand sanitizer the whole thing about it being picked up from surfaces we very quickly knew that that was not a thing mm. and yet <laughs> You know, it just went on and on. I saw someone yesterday obsessing her about her hands when she came out of a shop. And I just thought, you still don't understand. It's not a thing. Um, oh, and the truth about hand sanitizer is coming out now as well, isn't it, actually? Yeah. Oh, on, on, oh well, yeah. So, so, but there we go. That's another That's another kind of tangent we won't go down for now. Yeah, so you've got that, that level of things. But then there's, you know, the 
the the much bigger things you know we did know from the very beginning who this virus was dangerous for we we knew from the very beginning yeah. that it was going to be dangerous for potentially for the very elderly for the sick for the vulnerable um so there's a whole number of things that that you can't say or even if you could say well we didn't know for a while we very soon did know that's yeah totally totally um and and i and i think if you're asking for uh, an an amnesty um i mean i know she's not really asking for an amnesty it, it, it it's a it's a opinion ground laying piece it's 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 a it's a virtue article um but if 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 you if you were asking for an amnesty <clears throat> excuse me you would you would actually show some semblance of of genuinely admitting you got things wrong and you'd be open and honest about that and people respond to openness and honesty what people don't respond well to are are lies and uh, hubris um but i think yeah i mean she she doesn't even she doesn't even go talk about vaccines or mention any harms does she um and and again you know there was warnings given and a complete lack of data on that and not not a not a mention of that at all in her article was there so it's um not not uh, not surprising and and when she goes on to say so it says um was it in in the face of so much uncertainty get get sorry i'll start again in in the face of so much uncertainty getting something right had a hefty element of luck and similarly getting something wrong wasn't a moral failing that was quite a statement she made yeah, yeah. So basically, if you got anything right, it was just luck. So, <laughs> I mean, that's an outrageous thing to say. So all the scientists and medics and others who who warned accurately, who looked at the data and the evidence, who who had something to say on this, oh well, you know, they they were just lucky. <laughs> that's an outrageous thing to say. It it is, isn't it? It is, isn't. It? But the, but this, you see, this this is this is what happens when you listen to somebody who i think doesn't acknowledge god because you're 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 left with a vacuum you're left with a void you are left with um trying to understand a complex fallen world without the the one who created the world in the first place and gives everything meaning and and when and that's what she's trying to do and it's impossible and that is why you will talk nonsense as she has done. <laughs> so it's 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 inevitable, really. But it's sad at the same time. Um, and you're absolutely absolutely right. I mean, there were there were a very large amount of scientists, professionals who um, gave a completely different view to the mainstream narrative, based on evidence, based on data, data based on 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 sound. Uh, thinking and were completely ignored and not to mention lots and lots of people um, like us and others who are saying hold on a sec this isn't right people mm-hmm. who are willing to think for themselves and, and not to be um, not to allow themselves to be completely hoodwinked by events yeah I, I was listening to um, Heather Hying who who's married to Brett Weinstein who we've talked about before mm. um, on their podcast and she was talking about this and she's a very clever lady an evolutionary biologist and she was saying that there has been in this this whole thing there have been broadly two camps there's been initially those who um were told 
you know, about uh, the vaccine or, or whatever, you know, the vaccine was safe and effective or, you know, the different things that we must do to lock down and everything. And who took it on board 100%, mm. no question. They were certain, <clears throat> they were certain that's yeah. the right thing to do. That will That will do the job. And now down the line, they are still just as certain. It was the right thing to do, absolutely. They're just as certain, despite the evidence unfolding to the contrary. And then she said that, that the other camp broadly were uncertain from the start. They were sceptical. Um, th- they used the precautionary principle, mm-hmm. which <clears throat> is absolutely the scientific way to operate. Mm. And um, they then observed the evidence and the data as it unfolded. And they have become more certain over time in their view due to the evidence and that's very different from the former it is group. it is it is and yet they are the ones who have been vilified and censored and you know told your anti-vax and your you know tin hat brigade or, or whatever yes and i think we'll, we'll touch on on why that is the case um a little bit further on but I, I do that's a very good observation and, and it and it and that is the case and this is what's this is what's happened and and again you know for those you know listening to this this is this is why kind of partly why we, we do this podcast it's to, to encourage people to kind of to think things through for themselves to consider what's happened and if need be to to change views on things that's that's completely fine um but we can't what we can't do is is simply accept what we're told by the government's mainstream media at face value, sadly. You have to weigh it up and you have to consider it for, for yourselves. Um, and as we said many times, you know, not everything we're going to be told is going to be wrong. I'm not saying that for a minute, but, but, but certainly for the last <clears throat> three years, many things we've told have been outright lies. So um, we, have to, we have to learn from that, don't we? We do. Um, um, and when she says, you know, getting something wrong wasn't a moral failing. Well, you know, we all get things wrong. It isn't the the getting things wrong that is the problem. It's it's when you get something wrong and then won't amend your view in the light of emerging data and evidence. That's what happened. And then many times they just doubled down and cancelled and smeared those mm, who challenged them. Yeah, yeah. That's the moral failing. Yeah, it is. That that is totally right. And of course, Emily doesn't uh, touch on that at all, um, which is um, predictably, um, but you know what we would expect. But of course, that's not the reason she wrote the article, is it? It's time to shore up her position. I think. Um, yeah, I mean, she goes she goes on to talk about doesn't she about many many people and neglected their health care over the past years. Um, notably, routine vaccination rates for children are way down. Rather than debating the role that messaging about COVID vaccines had in this decline, we need to put all our energy into bringing these rates back up. Pediatricians and public health officials will need to work together on community outreach, and politicians will need to consider school mandates. Yeah, let's have a few more mandates. Well, let's stick a few bits of evil into this literally (laughs) wow yeah yeah she doesn't she doesn't question why the rates really why the rates are down maybe the rates are down because no one's talked about anything other than covid for two years well quite yeah maybe the rates are down because people don't trust the medics 
anymore. That they, they don't trust the vaccines or don't trust Big Pharma. Well, that that certainly will be a, a huge outcome from this. Um, sadly, there will be a lot more people who don't trust their doctor like they used to. Yeah. Um, certainly, there will be many people who don't trust Big Pharma, and that's a good thing. You shouldn't trust Big Pharma, not one bit. They're, they're, they are simply untrustworthy, I'm afraid. And if you still believe they're trustworthy, um, there's nothing more I can say on that one. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> please wake up. Um but in terms of you know promoting mandates, that's that's really bad. Um, I mean, we are kind of moving towards that anyway. I mean, we notice in we've both got um, young people in school, haven't we, Helen? And and I think yeah. in sc- the school schools have become a, a creeping source of um, inoculation, um, which you know in the past I think it's. That's been okay, but I'm just I'm a little I'm much more wary now than I used to be about that, and that's actually because of what's happened over the last three years. Yeah. So when the school write in and say, "Oh, we've got this this injection, we want to give you a child," I'm like, mm, "No, no, you're not. No. <laughs> we'll, we'll 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 weigh that one up ourselves, and if we deem it to be worth having, if the benefit outweighs the risk, we will go to our." Uh, local surgery and arrange it ourselves yeah but um yeah i don't trust basically i don't trust them so um that's the state of uh the society we're in i'm afraid yeah um well she goes on to say wasn't she um what was this all of this gloating and defensiveness continues to gobble up a lot of social energy and to drive the culture wars especially on the internet there we go, she's talking, talking to you and me there, Helen. Uh, the, these discussions are heated, unpleasant, and ultimately unproductive. Well, who decides what's unproductive, Emily? I'd like to know that. Who decides what's unproductive? Clearly, she thinks they they should be deciding what's unproductive and what's not. Yeah, I think she doesn't like the discussions now because maybe they're on the other end. It's a bit of uncomfortable, the isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, without discussion, you you can't learn, can you? No. Um, no, you can't. I mean, this is this is well-known um, phrase, a lessons learned exercise, which um, has a huge amount of value in it. Because as as people, we get things wrong. I get things wrong. We 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 make mistakes. When we look back on on things, we think mm, I should have done that differently, or or I should have considered that. So you you can do you know what some people like to call I think a lessons learned exercise. You you unpack what you did right and what you did wrong and what lessons you can take from that. And that's a good thing to do because yeah. that enables that enables us to, to grow and develop. It, it enables us to build a bit of resilience. It's okay to make mistakes, but it's important to own your mistakes. It's part of, you know, growing up, actually. <laughs> um, but, you know, to, to, to suggest that it's kind of unproductive is... is um, ridiculous and and you know from a, a Christian point of view I think this forms a part of righteousness it, it, it enables godly wisdom to be developed in people um, and it's you know part of repentance about turning turning away and uh, facing facing the truth and facing towards God instead acknowledging where we've gone wrong so there's yeah. lots of good things in terms of looking back isn't there yeah, yeah, there is. And it's also a very scientific thing to do. Yes, yeah. So, you know, is that is she suggesting we shouldn't be scientific? 
Well, uh, it depends. It depends if the science supports, if supports it's the view, science. I think the science, yes, yeah. whatever that is, yeah. Um, and then she goes on to say, doesn't she? Standard saying that those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. But dwelling on the mistakes of history can lead to a repetitive doom loop as well. Let's acknowledge that we made complicated choices in the face of deep uncertainty, and then we try to work together to build back and move forward. <laughs> that phrase we've heard that before <laughs> we have we have <laughs> build back better yeah yeah and it, this yeah. this this idea of building back it's like well no we're just building back what what's what's broken what's been broken down it's this perception that that you know the the <clears throat> the older way of you know how we functioned as a society in 2019 early 2020 yes there were obvious flaws in that absolutely but you know in terms of our interactions in terms of how we go about business okay yeah that's fine let's go back to that please um do we want a cashless society no we don't actually um do we want um id wherever we go no we don't we've had that debate in this country for years haven't we mm. about so um, you know we, we like to think we're not a um a papers please society well yeah. i think that's going to change um do 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 we want to show a, an app to her, get a table in a restaurant or go and see a film at the cinema no no we don't um so yeah this this notion of building back suggests that 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 something has been broken down when the reality is it hasn't been broken down it's 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 simply the emphasis has shifted to something else. The focus has shifted to something else. Um, but it's a, it's a clever use of language. Um, mm. And and I think you know we we it's that whole thing of we we can't forget history and wisdom from years past. And it's this idea that that we should just chuck it all away and come up with um, a new world order. Yeah. Um, I think I think there's, there's as it says on a one dollar bill. Indeed, there's um, there's a lot in this, and and maybe it's a topic for a future podcast. I'm not sure, but um, this this idea that it's progressivism, uh, this you know, constantly we must constantly move forward. The danger with that, and I think it comes from Marxism, is is that you just throw away that everything has gone before. Mm. And I was listening to some people discussing this last night and thought yes you're absolutely right they were talking about the importance of um family and connection and your link to the past which comes through your family and how important the family unit is yeah and and that that's the way in those intimate relationships um that's where the wisdom of history can get passed on Mm-hmm. And how important that is for for our civilization, and we throw that away at our peril, and yet all of the movement at the moment, particularly in this kind of progressive woke culture, is is to throw away everything that's gone before, yes. um, in this quest for this utopia, um, and and it's it's folly. It is folly. That's a grand and correct word for it. It, it it is a grand folly. In fact, um, you're right, and and that that's what's happening, and and it's happening across the board. It's happening from um, the the climate, the so-called climate crisis. It's happening with 
gender is happening with mm. uh, values. It, it no, nothing is off limits. Um, and again, just bring this back to the fact that you know we're Christians, we're believers. As Christians, we need to be um, alert to what is is happening, so that we can discern the age in which we live, and so that we can stand for truth and uphold righteousness wherever possible with the strength that God gives us. And um, and more, and along with that, we need to we need to be encouraging one another to do the same. Otherwise, it becomes a lonely. Uh, a lonely task um, and we help one another in this um, what the this um, was it talking about this uh, there's another article in uh, Spite that was kind of linked to this wasn't it and, it, it and in that article they write at times it seemed as if pro-lockdown side was driven less by science than by fear less by emerging evidence than by authoritarian impulse this is why so much debate about Covid was zealously shut down you see why the likes of um, Oster, Emily Oster, the article, the author of the Atlantic article, would prefer to forget all this, but the rest of us should not. We need to remember those two, those two years of authoritarian restrictions and the illiberal hysterical demands that drove them. This is the best way to ensure that this can never happen again. Um, I, I think it will happen again, um, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if it happens again soon. Not necessarily, I don't think, in exactly the same way. But the general principles will rear their ugly head, I think. Do you do you think, Helen, or you'd have a different yes, view? I do. I think that's that's the danger. And that's going to be a lot more likely if we do as as Oster suggests, which is um, you know, let's just forget all about it, move on now. Um, because if there's not some kind of um you know, if there's not accountability, if there's not a recognition of what the terrible costs have been in so many ways, then then it will be done again. Yeah. You know, that's the only way to ensure that it never happens again is to is to before, you know, drawing a line or moving on is is to say this was wrong. This is why this was wrong. This is why this was so damaging. And this is what we're going to put in place to make sure this does not happen again. We will not do this again. Yeah, and 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 the and there is a, a huge. I'm trying to think of a word to use. Um, huge danger, massive danger in the church that w- w- this will happen again. This will happen again. Um, you know, I, I would, I was, I was, I was reading an article over on theos website so if you you know the theos um website which is kind of like a for want of a better word a kind of christian think tank i suppose and um there was an article by a a church leader on there and he he was saying how back in back in lockdown it was he was basically advocating that it was the right thing to do to close the church doors to stand with the community as, as many like to put it and he didn't want to have a situation where you know asymptomatic spread would have been the 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 means by which somebody in the congregation would have caught covid and died uh, and you read the article now and you think first of all you think how can this article still be on here it's just an embarrassment and 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 secondly you you think this person is supposed to be a church leader and they they completely don't get it even you know if i was reading this now i'd be i'd be saying okay i'd be writing to the science say look 
done this article back then. This is what I thought then, but I've changed my view now. I want to put a kind of an update header on the article just outlining where I stand now, which is often what people do in these situations. But there was nothing like that. And mm. this is deeply, deeply worrying because the church should be at the forefront of looking at what we got wrong and saying, first of all, repenting, turning away from that and turning back towards God. And then saying, okay, we don't want to let this happen again. How do we learn from this? How do we allow ourselves to be um, taught so that we don't make these fatal mistakes again? Um, but uh, there are pockets of the church that are doing that, but a lot of the mainstream church are just asleep in this particular thing. And, it, and it's, going to, it's going to become a problem. Yeah, um, it, it will become a problem. Because so many of them, like we said before, didn't even have anything to say at the, the at the time didn't no. you know just if they did have anything to say it was just more of the government narrative being spouted effectively from the pulpit um so it, if they weren't questioning at the time if they weren't um trying to apply biblical principles to the situation we were facing uh trying to find where the truth lies and being concerned about the truth if they weren't doing that then and they're still not doing it now yeah. and there's and there's a bigger question that comes into play well like, are we actually proclaiming the gospel because the gospel is actually quite it, there is an offense to the gospel there is um an unsettlingness about proclaiming the gospel it doesn't always sit well with people. It's not always received well by people when it's proclaimed faithfully. And I think if we're asleep to what's happened with lockdowns and COVID, I think there is a, a greater chance that we'll actually be asleep with faithful proclamation of the gospel because we're simply not we're not engaging. We're not thinking things through. We're not we're not saying, hold on, are, are we are we doing this right? Um, are we looking intensely into God's word and just thinking look Lord are we are we being faithful to what you've called us to be because it all matters that's it's it all matters and um yeah it's 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 a concerning thing you know as I've said before in previous podcasts I I look back about mistakes I've made in 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 this and I think you know I shouldn't have done that I shouldn't have been involved with that I should have tried to do something differently um so I think the, the the point we're trying to make is we've got to we've got to look back and we've got to say okay where do we get stuff wrong how do we learn from that and so that we can move forwards and hopefully not make those mistakes again and be ready for what's coming as the Bible has a lot to say about um, about what's coming and how to be ready doesn't it Helen and I think that's uh, something as Christians we've we've, yeah. we've we've got to we've got to be alert to anyway that's my uh, I, will, I will stop my monologue we will, we will carry on with the dis discussion um I think one of the things that Emily yeah. Oster's one, one other oh go on just no just one, one other thing I was going to say um that I think the problem part of the problem is too much of the church is wanting um to people please and is wanting to um doesn't want to be saying things that are uncomfortable which is That's what true. I think yeah. you, you were talking about. Um, and so I think that that is a real problem on all sorts of levels. I mean, really, I, I would like to see, I, I don't see why, why is the, why is the church not saying this, this issue is really important. The church could be, um, you know, jumping on this, this whole idea of amnesty and saying, and, and calling people to account and calling people to, 
um, to enable forgiveness to happen by being honest and by acknowledging mistakes and acknowledging where wrongdoing has happened. Mm. Um, You know, why is it not doing that? But, But it won't be. It would be amazing if it did, and I think that would bring a tremendous uh, amount of of restoration um, and and healing where it's needed, and and actually draw us collectively towards towards God. Um, but I, I I agree. I think it's doubtful that will happen. But I think my own view is I think that's largely because many people in church and many people in church <clears throat> church leadership just believe the narrative mm. and they they think anybody who doesn't believe the narrative is nuts and they can't see the absurdity of their own position sadly but anyway yeah it's mm-hmm. that's that's where things that's where things are. and and also they just want to move on we just want to move on you know we just want to move on that's also the other part of it um but i think this is coming this brings us back to actually to to emily oster's article because what she's really doing is it's an attempt to control the narrative and this because there is this because the truth is coming out now because the truth about lockdowns the truth about vaccines the truth about what we've been told the truth about the messaging all the lies that we've been told all the damage that's been done all the deaths that have been caused tragically i think those who found themselves very much on the side of believing the government and believing the lie see this as an opportunity that they could lose control of the narrative and so this kind of article is an attempt to regain some kind of control or assert control and this is a very dangerous thing and we've seen this a lot over the last um the last few years um and and i think again we just need to be aware of this so phrases like the common good or when when people say but the thing is we didn't know We've got to call it out for what it is, as 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 simply the untruths, the lies, um, and an attempt to subvert um, righteousness, to subvert truth, to subvert justice, to subvert repentance. And I don't think it's necessarily intentional on the part of the person writing it, but that's what they're that's what they're actually involved with. Mm. And um, we need to be really alert to this. You know, it's it's historical revisionism. And it's happening all over the place. You know, we we don't we struggle to remember what we did last week, let alone two years ago. Um, so, I mean, what one practical thing we can do is actually write things down. You know, keep keep a journal, keep a diary. Yeah. It doesn't have to be every day. Um, I keep a kind of um, yeah, I keep a journal, and it's definitely not every day. There's some sometimes there's caps and months in it, but 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 it's. Um, it's definitely something that is very important to help us as we look back. And as I look back at, over what I wrote down, especially like in March 2020, it's quite interesting, actually. I, I'm just, I kind of regret not writing more details down, but the details I have written there are completely accurate. And it's quite revealing, actually. Do you keep, do you keep a journal, a diary or anything, Helen? You, you look like the kind of person who would be writing with your your quill in a candle, <laughs> like candlelight. A journal geek, yes. <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, I do. And like you, not not every day. Um, I do. And it's very helpful. I find it helpful f- for a number of reasons. Um, like you say, it's helpful to go back and look at what, what has happened, what you were thinking at the time. Um, I think it's also really, I find it really good to 
look back and see how God has been faithful mm, and how God yes. has answered prayers. Yeah. Um, that's really valuable as well. And that's, I mean, that's one thing that we always need to remember in these sorts of discussions is that God doesn't change. No. And God is always faithful. Uh, and he is, of course, he is the source of all truth. And so that's where we, that's where we need to be looking. Yeah, we do. We do. And that, that, is a, that is a very good reminder. And I think that whole thing of actually, you know, writing down, you know, prayed for this or God answered this prayer is such a good thing because it's very, it's very easy to, to forget how often and how many times God does answer prayer. And in acknowledging him, I think that can build our faith, can't it? Because we look back and see, yeah, God did answer that. God did um, supply the need here. God did um, help us or help me through this particular situation. Um, so, yeah, it's it's definitely a good thing, a good thing. Um, the whole li- the Live by Lies, the Rod Dreher book is quite interesting on this this whole subject as well because he, one of the kind of, and, and we have done a podcast on that, so if you haven't listened to that, then um, we encourage you to go and, go and have a listen and certainly read the book. And he, one of the points he makes is is just being alert to what's happened, to learn from mistakes that have been made in the past, to learn from history, to learn what's happened before. Um, because history, the the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, historically speaking. And and we we we're, there's nothing new under the sun, biblically no. speaking. So if we don't look at history and if we don't learn from history we are we are being foolish and we don't want to be foolish we want to be wise so live by live not by lies is definitely worth worth a look on this one shall we move on helen yeah okay so um unheard had a quite well there was basically a few 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 magazines that the or few websites magazines that picked up on this this article in the atlantic and they they did a response to it and unheard was was one of them and it, unheard is quite an interesting publication um it's often worth, well worth a look um has some good good pieces in there but Henry, you want to talk us through a little bit about about what what they talk about on this one because it's it's it's, un, it's unusual i like yeah, it yeah it's it's i think um maybe <clears throat> if uh, americans reading this would would understand it probably a little bit mm. more easily um, so they talk about this thing called the Virtuals Creed, um, which um, when they talk about uh, virtuals, meaning the kind of laptop class. Uh, so I think the kind of like the people who in lockdown were able to, you know, work from home, yep. the virtuals, as opposed to the physicals whose work is more rooted in the material world. So, you know. Like in my family, the ones who have to go out and milk the cows. Um, yeah. <laughs> not virtual so, cows, then. Not the virtual cows, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this virtual's creed, um, and in the article they talk about it, um, that people in, in America, you know, you see on films those where people have these um, gardens, don't they, that come onto the front of the road and a little mailbox thing at the front. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they mean, where they stick a sign like in the grass. Oh, okay. With this, yeah. with this on it, yeah. this virtual's creed. Um, so if I read it out, this is what it says. In this house, we believe black lives matter. Women's rights are human rights. No human is illegal. Science is real. Love is love. Kindness is everything. Mm. 
What's not um, to like? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> then they say that this creed only, they use some quite religious language actually here. This creed only applies to those on one side of the argument. Mm. And therein is the problem. Yes, yes. For example, uh, science. What does science really mean when you have only one side of the scientific argument put forward? It becomes meaningless, actually, doesn't it? Well, it, it does. Um, and it, it, it becomes coercive language, I think, as well, doesn't it? It becomes a, a battering ram to get people to do what you want them to do because you're presenting something as science. Because when people hear the word science, they mean, you know... <laughs> Think of somebody in a lab coat with a test tube. That what they really really think is somebody. Oh, this person is really clever, and if this person says this thing is true because they're a scientist, then it must be right. That that that's be. why that's why people use that's that's why it's used. That's why we had follow the science, trust the science, all that nonsense yeah. over the last two years, because as we've we've talked about this quite a few times, and you've you've said Helen, you, it's, it's absurd to say follow the science. Well. With, going to go all over the place if you do that because you're questioning your 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 you're revising what you think about something you're thinking well hold on we don't really know we're gonna we're gonna try and understand this a bit more it's not it's not definitive as saying follow the science wear a wear a piece of cloth over your mouth follow the science take this experimental drug you know that's not science that's tyranny yeah but the thing is with with this creed that I can see the the idea is well, no one can question all of these statements. It's like well, well, no one can question that, can they? No. So science is real. So if you question the science, it means you're saying that it's not real. Yep. You're doubting the science. You're you're some conspiracy theorist. And you know, love is love. Well, we said before. What does that mean? Doesn't mean anything, does it? God is love. Love is love. Doesn't. <laughs> well, it just means nothing. It, it, it. That's a, that's a very, very good point. If they had said on their lawn sign, God is love, you think, yeah, amen, believe that. That's that's yeah. totally right, totally true, biblical. But love is love, that's 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 the opposite. That's nonsense. It's like yeah. just loony and language. It, what they mean by that is is love, if anyone says something is love, that means you can't question, you can't question it. Yeah. Which I think might come up right towards the end actually of something we're going to talk about uh love is love therefore you can't cannot question kindness is everything so if as long as there's kindness well you you can't can't question that so the kind thing to do is is to move on let's just move on that would Mm -hmm. be the kind thing to do um black lives matter again i was listening to Zuby, who had talked about this he's talked about this for who is black by the way the beginning who is black and um Black Lives Matter. He said, you know, that's that was a really clever, uh, you know, a clever title to use because you can't question that. Of course, of course, Black Lives Matter. But that's the idea is they don't want anyone to question. But so when you then, as Zuby does, question the organisation and the motives behind the organisation and what they actually stand for, um, well, that well, you're racist. You're a you're, bigot. You're vilified. Yeah. 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 And and that 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 is that is that is the consistency here, isn't it? Is is questioning the narrative? You're you're anti. You're either anti-science. You're you're bigots. You're a misogynist. You are um, ignorant. You're a conspiracy theorist. And th- 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 this is this is when the lid is lifted, and you see the true intention when these words are used. Uh, uh, where's 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 kindness is everything there? I, I'm I'm a bit lost. You've just you just you just called 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 
called me all these horrible names and yet you say kindness is everything well something's not computing there because yeah. that wasn't kind and what about love is love you know where's the love in that um no human is illegal okay uh, yeah yeah it, it, it's absurd isn't it let's be honest i mean <laughs> but it's but, but people people they want to subscribe to this don't they they want to oh, they want yeah, to say they love it and, mm. and and i think it's this human part of the human condition where we want affirmation we want to to we want to belong and part of wanting to belong is is to is to virtue signal is to say I ascribe to this particular worldview, and in, and we do that not really because we ascribe to it, but because we want to be accepted, we want to be um, applauded, we want to be given a pat on the back by those around us who have done equally the same thing. Um, but ultimately, it's, a, it's an emperor's emperor's new clothes type um, situation you find yourself in if you go down that route. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean. The, <laughs> People like Joe Rogan. He 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 runs a podcast similar to ours, doesn't he? It's like not quite as many listeners. Not bigger. quite not quite as many listeners as we've got. But anyway, <laughs> um, and uh, he 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 was um, he was uh, uh, like essentially kind of almost tri- well tried to be cancelled over over this, didn't he? Like like yeah. because of asking questions. Um, the editor of Unheard, Freddie Sayers, he was censored. For interviewing a lockdown dissenter, Dr. Carol Sikora, and former um, World Health Organization uh, cancer expert, just for interviewing him, just for just for giving somebody a voice. So this is the this is the fallacy of of the virtual virtuals creed. It it is a it is an insidious lie and dressed up in kind of gooey niceness, which is nothing of the sort um and then you've got you've got people like uh, dr peter mccullough who's a, a, a eminent cardiologist he argued against vaccinating those with natural covid immunity he voiced concerns about the effect of the covid vaccine on cardiac health and for expressing such views and despite evidence that natural immunity is more robust than the vaccine and that myocarditis is a recognized side effect of the vaccine well it's not vaccine it's a drug mccullough now faces being struck off by an american medical board but what he's saying is true it's, yeah. it's, it's coming out of it. It's like it's like a it's like a the ship is 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 leaking. It's got that many holes in the hull now. You you can't you can't stop the truth coming into the ship. You know. Um, but anyway. Um, so yeah, it's it it is that I think the price of following the science is still sadly being paid, isn't it? Um, um, and maybe following the truth is what we should be doing and especially the truth that leads us to God because God is truth and that's something we need to remind ourselves on yeah what else should we move on to Helen um well I don't I suppose um one thing coming out from this article um the issue of the economic crisis which oh yes which Mm, that's that's quite (laughs) has been well, I think it is very interesting that now, I mean, it seems the the easy way out is is they just say, oh, well, it's all it's all Putin's fault, isn't it? Rather than, well, actually, we might be in a spot of bother because of the way we've behaved over the last few years and the catastrophic lockdowns and the furlough payments and 
Um, yeah. Yeah. Th- yeah. I mean, <laughs> we now have no money. Well, that, that's that. That is that's surprising. Since I mean, since since two thousand and eight, it's been on on teetering on the on the brink of 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 a chasm uh, financially worldwide in in term well in terms of the West anyway, um, and probably for Central Asia too. But it's it, it is it has been a it is something that is worth worth touching on because you know. Get, Rewind back to to to, to March, uh, late March 2020. We had the Chancellor then Rishi Sunak talking about this this furlough scheme. Uh, well, they're bringing that in, weren't they? But then they, they but before that, they talked about the 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 first lockdown, which was going to be what two, two weeks, two weeks was it two weeks to flatten the curve or three weeks to flatten the curve? I can't remember which it was. Oh, it's been three weeks. Okay, yeah. so so it's so, three. I, I remember thinking at the time, and we said this before on the podcast, I remember thinking at the time, they can't do that. They can't close the economy down for a week. It's going to be catastrophic. <laughs> it, it, uh, and it has been. <laughs> it has been. But they didn't close it down for a week. They closed it down for months. And then yeah. on top of that, they had this they had this furlough scheme. So, so basically, they created the problem, which they didn't need to do. They didn't need to lock the country down. It's a complete, ridiculous, terrible thing to do. They shouldn't have done that. Then on top of that, they paid people not to work, yeah. and they took the money from the magic money tree, which doesn't exist. And in twenty twenty and twenty twenty one, the UK government borrowed three hundred and three billion pounds. That's the highest amount in peacetime. It's a peacetime record. Borrowed. So that's money we don't we don't we don't have. This means that today the UK government owes. 2.45 trillion pounds. To give this a little bit of context, in 2005 the UK government owned 500 billion pounds. So that's that's how much more it is now than back in 2005. Um, and in 2022 and 2023 the UK government is expected to pay around 100 billion in interest alone. So clearly something is massively broken here. And and I think just so also worth pointing out that um the 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 biggest kind of spike if you look at if you look at the data on this was was World War Two, um which which was, you know, national debt was massive, the country owed a lot, it took us a long time to pay it off. But there's a really key difference here. Following World War Two this country still had industry. It still had a means to get itself economically back on the straight and narrow. We no longer have that now. We hardly have any industry. We're a service culture, which you know, services can go anywhere in the world because they're virtual. <laughs> um, and I would say that it's far worse now than it was after following after World War Two. So this all leads back to this 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 whole catastrophic lockdown furlough scheme and the same we now have the prime minister who was the chancellor back in 2020 we have um this guy jeremy hunt chancellor of the exchequer who i mean it's it just makes you sick really he's saying okay yeah we're now going to we're now going to be bringing austerity as they like to call it trying to claw back some of the money that we've that we've wasted and they have wasted it and it with with catastrophic government policy and now they're going to take the country even further into recession and um and just hardship for people and it's heartbreaking 
Mm. And the, the government wants to appear like they're doing the right thing. They've not done. The, they're not doing the right thing. They, they, they've, 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 well, completely done the wrong thing. Do, do you know what I mean, Helen? It's just, yeah. it's just awful. It's just awful. And who are the people who will hurt? The, it's yeah. always. It will be the poor. Yes. It will be those who are already <clears throat> living on the edge. Exactly. Exactly. And and very often those are the people who didn't benefit from furlough payments, who weren't able to sit at home and work. They were the ones who are out there doing the work. Yes. On, on, they were the ones on, yep. trying to keep their small businesses alive. Yep. And if they did manage to keep those businesses alive, remember many have lost theirs, many have lost their livelihoods. But the ones who are still clinging on, they're the ones who who, who are not going to survive. Yeah. They're the ones who will be paying the price. The, the, the gap between the rich and the poor has grown astronomically over the last three years. The, the generation of wealth for the super rich has been off the charts in the last three years. The gap has got has just got huge between rich and poor. And um, we have a situation where we are moving all the time towards a cashless society, a society where you'll only buy your stuff from big companies where the small shops won't exist anymore, where uh, people will be um, yeah, forced to either work for a, a large conglomerate or not work at all. And it's not, it's, unfortunately, it's just, it's not a rosy picture, but that's, that's the reality. Yeah. And, and this, this is, this is, it's not, a, a, and it's not a Tory party thing. The same would have happened with the Labour Party. The same would have happened with the Liberal Democrats. I mean, I think people who believe in a kind of, oh, you know, the Tories or the Conservatives, it's just nonsense. It's all the same thing. It's all the same thing. There are little differences, but they all head in broadly the same direction. And and it's um, we now face the, the, the very real spectre of universal basic income, which I think will probably rear its head again and of course um, central bank digital currencies which Rishi Sunak is a great fan of by the way oh he loves he absolutely he loves, loves that doesn't he? and that, that and once and once you know once cash is gone well that's it folks I'm afraid so if you if you value your freedom keep using cash where keep you can keep using cash definitely really important because that that's that's a massive key to this and and again you know, some people might listen to this. Oh, I think this is conspiracy theory stuff. Really? Okay. Well, just look at the evidence. Go, go back over the last two two and a half years and look how cash has been marginalised. That wasn't an accident. Yeah. Mm. And kind and go, of go wake and up and smell to, the coffee. Yeah, definitely. Go and listen back to Rishi Sunak talking about yeah. digital currencies. Yeah. Oh, you can find that all over the place. He, he, yeah, he, he loves it. Uh, digital currencies, digital ID, and the, and the government now are talking about um, a, a worldwide COVID passport scheme. All this, all this, all these things that all linked together, and and this is the thing, right? This is the thing. As Christians, we can see the bigger picture, not because we're better than other people or anything like that, but because of God's mercy, because He's given us His Word, and because in His Word it outlines what the beginning is and what the end is, and it outlines many things that will happen before the end. Read your Bible. Have a look. Don't take my word for it. Just read your Bible. Read your Bible and prayerfully ask God, look, show me. Help me to be ready. Help me to understand. Not to be consumed or obsessed by this thing. Don't don't be consumed or obsessed by this stuff. But be aware of it. Stick it in the back of your mind and uh, ask God to reveal himself to you. And I think he will. Cool. Right. Well, we we, we, need, we need to crack on because you've got to go out soon, you haven't you? Cool. Yeah, um, I've got some You've got to go to... and like... 
shave your cows or whatever farmers yeah. do. Um, <laughs> um, so, where should we? What should we move on to? What kind of what happens next? And kind of slowly bring the the podcast plane into land. Yeah, yeah. Go on then. Um, I think one of the one of the, the 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 really kind of helpful things that that people have written. I think in response, really, isn't it, to, to this Atlantic article, is is, is declaring, uh, the Brownstone Institute said, declaring a real pandemic inquiry instead of an amnesty. I think that's a really good idea. So um, one of the, I'll read out a bit of stuff they say because it's really helpful. They say, ignorance doesn't work as an excuse when the policies involved abrogating your fellow citizens' rights under an indefinite state of emergency while censoring and cancelling those who weren't as ignorant. This inevitable result will be a society in which ignorance and obedience to the opinion of the mob would be the only safe position. Yeah, totally. Second, amnesty being an act of forgiveness for past offences first requires an apology or an act of repentance on the part of those who committed the offence. Not only has no such act of repentance been forthcoming, but in most cases establishment voices like Oster's who's the um, author of the article in The Atlantic, have yet to stop advocating these same policies, much less admit they are wrong. With no accompanying act of contrition, these calls for amnesty, in light of rapidly shifting public opinion, have a real ring of fascist leaders calling for amnesty after losing the war. Wow, Um, that's quite to the point, but I have to say I agree with that. Totally agree with that. Um, so we have this need to, to stop the direction of, of travel. And they go on to say the ultimate problem from a legal perspective with Oster's call for amnesty for the advocacy of totalitarian policies during COVID, the implicit assumption that all those who advocated lockdowns, mandates, censorship and an indefinite state of emergency all the way up the chain of command did so in good faith. There's a growing mountain of evidence that the handful of key officials who had the initial push for unprecedented lockdowns and mandates did not, in fact, do so in good faith. And then finally, the last bit says, our institutions are in serious need of restoration after the incalculable damage that has been done to them during the response to COVID. But we forget at our peril that those institutions weren't built with flowery words and good intentions. They were built with blood, sweat and tears by those who fought for them with their lives. Let's not declare a pandemic amnesty. Let's declare a real pandemic inquiry. I think that's excellent. Because yeah, they've highlighted some really, really uh, key points. To this and 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 it's like chalk and cheese. Reading Oster's article in Atlantic and then reading this, what one sounds like something a child might say, and the other yeah. sounds like what a reasoned adult would write. Yeah. It's that different in tone, in seriousness, in fairness, and openness and honesty. So. Yeah, I mean, we'll link to these, won't we, Helen, in the, on the podcast notes so people yeah. can read them for, for themselves. Um, do you want to just talk a little bit about um, Dell? Yeah, Dell Bigtree, if you've not um, heard of him, on look up the high wire. Um, he's, he's very good. Um, and he has been consistent throughout these last few years um, in questioning, finding, you know, where are the experts? Where's the evidence? What does the data say? Um, and he's been absolutely fearless in in calling people out. Um, and he says in uh, his recent response to this article that in order for us to forgive, you must articulate what we're supposed to forgive. 
and he 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 does that really well real challenge you know so tell me what is it what is it you'll articulate to me what is it you're wanting me to forgive what is it that you have done wrong mm. say it for mm-hmm. what it is mm-hmm. um you know for example and he lists all the different things the lockdowns the loss of jobs isolated loved ones you know shut up in care homes invasive testing suicides child abuse masking of children funerals that were missed transplants that were refused because people weren't vaccinated police brutality arrests mandates jobs taken vaccine injuries sudden deaths you know there's just the list goes on yeah yeah um and he he says again about this point that she says oh well you know People just got lucky, the ones who got things right. And he says, we didn't get lucky. We researched, we looked at the data and the evidence. Um, and again, he talks about the high pri- profile experts who were censored and maligned and attacked, who are still being censored, mm-hmm. maligned yeah. and attacked. For example, Robert Malone, Peter McCullough, who we mentioned earlier. So we aren't we aren't through the situation. It's still happening. Yes. So it's not over. It's not they've this this behavior needs to stop. Yeah. You can't you can't um you know I make this point I've tried to make this point sometimes to you know to my children you, you, you know and obviously I need to make it to myself as well. When you say sorry for something it it seems quite obvious but it's actually quite hard. You need to just think about what is it you're saying sorry for? What is it that I've done wrong? And now I need to try not to do that again. Mm. Because if you say sorry for hitting your brother and then you turn around and you hit your brother again well what does that show it shows that you weren't really sorry were you because you've just gone and done it again yes so you have to make an effort to stop that behavior yeah yeah you do you do um it's it it's a bit it's a bit like it's a bit like a school bully like beating beating somebody somebody up isn't it and and saying and saying oh sorry let's just forgive and move on and he keeps beating the person up it's the same thing Mm. it's like you've got to stop the action and then you give yourself some credibility when you say we need to move on but without without actually like say Alan without actually saying well hold on let we we got this this and this wrong without actually naming it and then even worse (laughs) without actually stopping what's still happening now yeah there's no credibility at all. It's just, it's just absurdity, it, and and it, and it just sounds and looks tyrannical, which it yeah. is. Yeah. Um, and and when you when you read those, um, you know, things that 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 were done during the last you know two and a half years, they they were they were terrible. I mean, I remember seeing you know the the, the police police brutality one. I mean, there, there was shocking things that happened in Australia. Mm. Um, I mean, remember the. I mean, they were just awful, just awful, um, and it was brutality, and it was totally immoral and totally wrong. Or we had like bits and pieces over here, but again, you know, a classic example of that couple going, <laughs> those two friends going for a walk in the middle of nowhere with their coffee and being yeah. accosted by the police. It's like, what was that about? So I think, I think that if there is going to be this amnesty, um. I think amnesty is the wrong word even, actually. If there's going to be moving on from this, learning from the past, people need to accept where they got things wrong so that people can move on properly and relationship can be repaired because that's important as well, I think. Uh, so relationships within society are broken now. 
and they need repairing. It is it is a really, really good one. Um, should we move on to Zuby? Yeah, Zuby. Um, he tweeted recently, um, again, in response to this suggestion of the need for an amnesty. He said, there is so much pain, division and resentment all over the world now. Everybody feels it low key and very few people are willing to say I'm sorry or even I was wrong. And until that happens and there is accountability, there will be no reconciliation. Mm. Yeah. And I I doubt very much that the that the people who have got things wrong will say they've got it wrong because it's not human nature. Pride gets in the way of that. And um, I think that's highly unlikely. Mm. So I think we just need to remind ourselves to look for the signs. And we do need to forgive as well. Jesus makes that very clear. We need mm. to forgive. You know, when Peter asks him, how many times do I forgive my brother? Jesus says, you know, 70 times seven, just keep, in other words, you, you, keep, you keep forgiving. But equally, that doesn't... Um, that does not prevent uh, repentance, remorse. It doesn't prevent looking back at what was done wrong by the party who did the wrong, because they should be doing that as well. Um, and this this is what comes for standing for truth and for righteousness. Um, and uh, yeah, I think well, Majid Nawaz he. <laughs> What, where was this from? Was this from a from a website or a tweet? Or was this? Oh, it was on. Um, I saw it on his Instagram. Okay, so yeah, he's saying, "Let's declare a COVID amnesty. We coercively injected you with lethal toxins that kill. We cold your elderly. We injected children with lethal toxins that kill. We locked you up until you submitted. We fired the truthful for objecting and are still protecting the liars. We were funded. We were funding COVID in that Chinese lab in Wuhan all along." We now demand that you move on and be more forgiving. Russia, Russia, Russia. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, yeah, he's obviously, that's quite um, blunt. He's quite cross. <laughs> he's quite cross, <laughs> yes. But he's, I mean, he's very, he's got a, a, a fascinating story as that guy. If you listen, yeah, if has. you listen to him, is he's, uh, he's talk about somebody who's changed um, and, turned, and had quite a turnaround in, in many ways and also really knows what it means to pay for the truth, I think, as well. Yeah, it? yeah, and who's had to learn about forgiveness? To yes, some extent. Oh boy, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, yes, he's worth, he's worth, he's worth, worth listening to. Yeah, I know, I know. It might, it might sound a bit caustic what he was saying there, but um, he does make a point, and I think we have to be willing to to listen to that because what's happened is is very serious. You know, people have been devastated by this. Um, which brings us back, of course, to I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. And um, I've never watched a, um can't think of anything worse, really, no, but it's not my personal thing. But maybe you like it. I have no <laughs> idea. Um, and, of course, Matt Hancock, the health secretary at the time of the COVID, um, uh, well, it's kind of still going on now, but in 2020, he was health secretary, wasn't he? And he was asking for forgiveness uh put here on I'm a crook get me out of here which should probably be a more adequate um, title for the program in his case anyway and asked yeah asked, asked on Friday's episode about um, the affair because he had an affair I don't know if you remember this Matt Hancock had an affair he explained he was not fined because he didn't break any laws guidance is different oh okay but he added the problem was it was my guidance um, asked by TV presenter Scarlett Douglas why he broke the guidelines he helped put in place as a cabinet minister, Hancock responded, because it was a mistake, because I fell in love with somebody. 
oh, okay then. Let's just all move on, shall we, Matt? That's what I said. Love is love. Yeah, love it's is love. love. So. Yeah, but let's let's not talk about what's happened in care homes and yeah. all the rest of the things that you presided over. But anyway, yeah, I mean, it's, it's awful, isn't it? It's and but this is what this is why we talked about historical revisionism. It's what's happening, and I think we need to be alert to it. People people changing their tone now that oh it doesn't it didn't really matter oh right okay so people lost their jobs lost their livelihoods some cases lost their homes some people were, were arrested by the police but you're saying it didn't really matter now yeah. that's essentially what matt hancock is doing tells you well, what you yeah. need to know about the guy really he he embodies really what uh emily oster is talking about in her article doesn't he he, he does he's he's wanting everyone to move on he's wanting everyone to think oh he's a nice guy really he's all right and he's wanting to um he's not wanting to admit or acknowledge what he did wrong and what the terrible consequences were of his actions he's wanting to gloss over all of that and and move on Mm, mm. he's not willing to be accountable for his actions and if a public figure was accountable and if public figures actually were made accountable for their actions and that would be and had to pay the price for the wrong actions I think that would have quite a profound effect on not only on bringing restoration and reconciliation but also ensuring that we don't make the or we will make the same mistakes again but we're less likely to make them so quickly in future yeah um, they'd be a little bit more careful about who they listen to and who they seek advice from and how much evidence they gather before they take drastic action absolutely they would wouldn't they they would um, well, look. Let's let's bring let's bring it to land now. Let's let's. Do you want to read a bit about from God's word? Because it'd be good to finish with what we know is truth. Yeah, definitely. So this is from Ephesians chapter five, um, starting at verse fifteen. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Yeah, that's a great that's a great passage. And the context the context of that verse is is of God's holy people living in a fallen, dark, dark world, and um, we are called to live as children, like as 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 wise followers of uh, Jesus, and that's really really important. Um, so yeah, I think for for it would be you know do be praying for your church that um if your church has kind of maybe not done things as well as they could have done in over these last two and a half years maybe praying that the eyes could be opened so that that similar mistakes won't be made in the future and that we'd be willing to um say where we've got things wrong because we're all under grace none of us are better than the other um we all we all need the the cross of christ we all need that forgiveness found in the lord jesus christ otherwise we are lost um and that's the great leveler in this but that's that also doesn't that still doesn't mean that we shouldn't be seeking hard after truth and encouraging one another to to do that um and asking what what has god been saying to his church in these last three years i don't i don't think we have heard that message clearly yet. i've heard i've heard many people talk about that and I think some people have got closer than others. I think Nick Franks has touched on this, and I think he is—he seems quite close to perhaps what God might be saying to the church. But in the mainstream, I think when I hear what people are saying, I think it's wider the mark. 
So we need to be more attentive, I think, as to what God has been saying as we look back. Um, Because time is short. Time is short. We don't know when the next kind of calamity is heading our way because we're in the middle of, we've got the whole, you know, there's a smorgasbord of calamities that could (laughs) could be coming our way, sadly. Um, So we need need to be ready and need to be encouraging one another on that what anything else add helen you you, you. um yeah i think there's just a a few conclusions that i would have um one is that we've said many times before that truth matters that lies have been told and promulgated and that is wrong um and that justice matters people have lost jobs and livelihoods they've lost loved ones reputations careers and that does matter um and, and of course, God is a God of truth and justice and love and righteousness. Um, Jesus, you know, I think reading the Bible, Jesus didn't call people to amnesty to give up on accountability mm-hmm. and justice. That's why he came to ensure justice. Yes. And to call people to turn from their sinful ways and repent. That That is God's way. Yes. To Amen. seek truth and wisdom and righteousness and to live by it, honouring him. Yeah. Totally. That is it. And that's a good place to finish. Thanks, Helen. Um, you can follow us on... What can you follow us on? I'm trying to remember what you can follow us on. You can follow Helen on Substack. Um, do do follow on that. There, there is the little link tree link on the, the Podbean site, which gives the links to all the various places where you'll find us. We have a Telegram channel, which we post uh, interesting things to during, during the times where we're not uh, podcasting. And if you do have any... Um, if you do have any feedback or comments or suggestions uh, for, um, for possible people to speak to we, we've we've had some in which has been really helpful so thank you for doing that and just keep those ideas coming and we're very happy to um to hear what you have to say it's always good to kind of connect with people and uh, yeah we will well, we got we got one planned haven't we? we won't say what it is for now because it's yeah. just 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 so exciting just <laughs> well brewing. okay no, yeah, kind of hopefully building it won't up be there. Long. bit too much maybe uh but yeah <laughs> it won't be long it won't be long uh yeah. there won't be there won't be a massive gap god willing between between this one and the next one so yeah there we go thank you for listening and we'll see you guys in the next one yep bye <laughs>